the resonance. So in the exploration uh, with you this afternoon, I'd like to uh, explore this long-standing question of what is truth, remembering the long-standing aspects of these statements there, which have been uh, uttered over the centuries, and one of those which has touched me deeply um, and you may have heard at uh, some time and point in uh, your life which says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free I remember rightly uh, it's a statement of Jesus right and this and I think it's out of St. John's Gospel of I'll Google it uh, and check out. There's been an aspiration as well to men and women on earth to find out what is true, what, what is the truth, how will I find it, what direction uh, do uh, I go uh, in. There is always a little danger with us as human beings to... Um, elevate something which is important into such a, a high status, truth, with a kind of capital T, to the point it makes a gap between where we are and what is truth. And you say, well, I'm, I'm searching for the truth, I'm inquiring, I want to find the truth, I want to know what the truth uh, is. And though there is something rather noble and intentional about the wish, the aspiration there. As I mentioned, the gap gets uh, uh, established, and in the gap which is established, it then becomes a struggle to find out what is truth. But perhaps it's because the consciousness, that means being conscious, have given it, <coughs> has given it a status beyond our capacity to reach. We've elevated it to uh, such a point. And that finding and exploration of uh, truth perhaps has to come in some uh, uh, other way. And maybe it's a little bit more, maybe, simple, clearer, and uh, helpful in terms of the immediacy. I'll try to explain what I mean there. There are some, I don't take the view, but there are some, who will say the only truth is that we are all one. And that's the truth. And everything else, all the separations, all the dualities, all the differences, there's no truth in any of that. The truth is, life is one. There are others who will make the claim that truth is not about past nor future because that's only a memory, it's only a thought and the only truth could possibly be is the here and now, the now, that this is the uh, reality and it doesn't depend on thought, therefore this, the truth is the now. There are uh, others who in their relation 
ship would say, I have had a very profound experience um, in meditation, in daily life, in certain circumstances, and in that time, in that moment of that experience, I saw things as they really are. I saw the truth uh, uh, of, of things. And another person may say, well, I've had a very deep religious experience or a spiritual experience. It woke me up. It changed my uh, life. And in that moment, in that time or that revelation that came to me, in that religious experience, well, I, I saw the reality. I saw the truth of things. All of which, being sympathetic here, all of which is a valid kind of response. It's not unusual in the depth of human experience to exclaim to oneself or to others, well, I really saw the truth in that moment or in that time or experience. The problem and it's a, it's a problem, is... <coughs> so what happens when that experience ends? What happens when that great experience of being in the now, absorbed into the nature, the, the great sense of uh, oneness, the conviction that the truth is life is harmony, uh, whatever, uh, the truth is God touched me, the truth is I had an amazing revelation, an extraordinary insight, a waking up. And when that experience, that moment, that time, that event is over, what happens? Forget. Does the human being, does she or he, go back to non-truth? Does she or he, as you said, forget? Does he or she remember that truth that experience, that profound transformation in my life, think, wow, in that time and moment, I had the truth. It touched me. I, I touched the real. I found God. I found the cosmic consciousness or whatever language one might use in Byron Bay. Forgive me. And, no, don't forgive me. And whatever it might be. I live in Totnes. It's, you know, it's a sister community. And in those experiences, important valuable, life-changing as, uh, as they are. Nevertheless, experience arose, it stayed, it influenced us, it perhaps affected our life, there was some rhythm and flow afterwards, but the memory is there. I, as a human being, I had this experience. It was really important for me. Or, I haven't had it but I'm hoping before Saturday I will get it. <laughs> uh, I've had it, and in this recollection I've had it, that it's so strong, it might have had such an impact on us, I want to have it back. Mm. Who wouldn't want to have a big taste of truth the second or third time? And that motivation, that exploration, is then being fueled by the memory or alternatively you um, uh, unfortunately may have uh, listened to other people's experience you may have read some books about some great yogis and 
great spiritual masters and gurus and uh, all the rest of the tribe. And you think, wow, what she had, I want. What he had, what he experienced, I want. Uh, yeah. So either, when it comes to truth, we can have had it, and then we want it back. Others have had it, and I want what they've got. Or, the view can arise, in very consumer terms, oh, I've got the truth, and I can organise it, package it, and <laughs> sell it. I can make a lot of money out of it. What happened to truth? May have got well overshadowed by self-interest, by consumer culture, by maximizing um, status, privilege. Truth then becomes a, uh, a concept. So perhaps in the exploration of truth, while recognizing the influence and the impact and significance uh, of it, perhaps it's going to need some other way of looking about what truth is. And I think for that, um, one, one could learn, actually, uh, rather well from the tradition, but, uh, I mean, to the Buddha's teachings uh, here. And secondly, from what was said, actually look at it from our experience for a moment, for a moment, and then look at it at a deeper level. And I'll, if I can, if I remember, <coughs> to take it in those three stages. What the Buddha said on truth, they really matter. Some of the best words ever stated by any human being on this earth. Secondly, relating it to our actual experience and the significance of truth. And then thirdly, taking it to its deepest or deeper uh, level. I have a cup of tea down here. It's called the use of privileges or abuse. Gautama, the Sakian in uh, North India had a deep interest in truth unquestionably extremely deep interest it was the question that ran through the being on the night of waking up it was the issue that dominated his teachings, explorations and practices and carried with it a kind of uh, voice and what I mean by that, he said of men and women on this earth who are genuinely interested in truth, wish to know it, explore it, and be intimately close with it, have four areas of life to explore. And he referred to this as literally the four truths, plural here, 
of the Noble Ones, which has got summarized, unfortunately it's the Four Noble Truths, but it's actually the, it's the Four Truths of the Noble Ones. There's nothing noble about suffering. And though sometimes one hears some of these depressed Buddhists who are around, life is suffering, classic depressed statement, and that view which is uh, uh, expressed is such a violence in my view upon life it's such an outrageously gross uh, generalization that if life is suffering, if that's what it is, if that is the truth of it, there could not possibly be any kind of break at all. Life is suffering, if that's what it is. And human beings would be forever prisoned, imprisoned, from birth through till death in a state of suffering. It's not human experience. So the precision, since we're, we're talking about truth, because it has a precision to it, when asked what is suffering, is not the response of life is suffering, the response is specifics. So if I want to know what the truth is of suffering, I have to know specifically what the truth of it actually is. And it's not a view, meaning a truth has a deeper significance than a view. You may have a view it's like this, a view like that. Truth has something else to it. What's suffering? They're fairly obvious things actually. Not getting what I want. Dwell on it. Reflect on it. Think of a situation in life where you've been unhappy, distressed, worried and anxious. Is it around not getting... Do you mind closing the door, rather? Even for an Englishman, it's chilly. <laughs> if there is a door, is that, it's rather open. All right, bless you, mate. Thank you. <laughs> All right, no. Thanks a lot. So if I'm looking at myself and I say, well, what, what about the truth of suffering? It's not getting what I want. It's losing what I have. I just received an email from a beloved Dharma friend, husband and wife, to the most dedicated people I know deeply in love with the tradition of the Buddha Dharma the ethics, the values the mindfulness, the meditations the spirituality the insights, the wisdom and the compassion the, 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 the best of the uh, teaching years and years giving support to monks and nuns and retreats and practices and, and myself the beloved wife very, very recently, driving home from uh, a yoga class, and she and her husband have been together many years, maybe 30 years or so. 
was killed 100 meters from the front door and there's life going by with all the closeness all that they shared and I know the family I know the children they've been on retreats with me etc and suddenly in a moment in a savage brutal moment the life is taken away just like that and one wonders in this life with all the the vulnerabilities that we as people on this earth have and even though we do our practice we explore as much as we can change and impermanence and letting go and moving on and not holding all of those themes which are so supportive how can a human being how we as human beings ever be really prepared for that savage interruption of love and friendship and continuity and support and suddenly all those years just cut out of the life and we, we, we realise that the, the violence of the life that we live in as well as the beauty and the wonder and the passion and the love and the friendship and the kindnesses but that's there right in the midst and this family this beautiful family are, are, are dealing with it today and I had emailed uh, uh, from her husband uh, la- la- last night saying that the funeral was uh, uh, taking place uh, t- uh, today <coughs> so the Buddha said what is suffering not getting what I want losing who and what I love being separated with the, from that which I love and appreciate and sometimes again in, in life in a countless numbers of ways we get separated from we get separated from our health we get separated from our job we get separated from our location we get separated from our way of being and much much more we get separated from our friends and our loved ones etc so in the midst of all these events and the extraordinarinesses of life we have to deal with not getting what I want losing what I have being separated from who and what I love and appreciate and it challenges us deeply and strongly to be able to live with all of this to move with all of this and what's stated very clearly it's not a it's not a view it's a truth of life it's a truth of life never said it's just a view it would be a horrible thing to say and sometimes in the experience of all of that that there's 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 a sadness that we as people on the earth can experience a sadness about not getting and losing and being separated from and the as he says the inflaming of situations that bring about so much suffering how we have a tendency to inflame as the words you putting wood on the fire to inflame a situation uh, and that inflammation of the situation generates suffering for us we exaggerate it we project onto it we react our greed, our blame, our fears are all statements that the human being is inflaming a situation and that inflammation 
brings about the suffering, he said. Extraordinary thing to live with this life, to move through it with all the transitions and changes and while moving through it actually have to deal with losing what I have, being separated from who and what I love, not getting what I want and the problems of inflaming situations. And the inflammation stops us seeing, clearly stops us seeing the truth of it. Quite something. And then he goes on to the next. Again, an unambiguous, clear, direct statement what, why is there this suffering? Why is that the circumstances of the human situation? Why is there this suffering? And then, with his typical ruthless dismissal of countless numbers of views, as it does, it cuts to the bone. And in the cutting to the bone, dismisses all metaphysics. The religious one. God is the hand of God. The I have something to learn from this. It's an accident. It's destiny. It just happened. It's my karma. It's just the way things are. And we use these kind of views. They're outrageous. They're utterly unacceptable. It's a, a, another gross generalization. It's understandable. It's human enough. But it doesn't help. It doesn't provide us with the kind of insights and the understanding which we need when we say, oh, it's cosmos, it's life, it's destiny, it's just an accident, it's the way things are, it's karma, or it's, it's punishment, I must have done something wrong, or, or whatever, uh, it, or, or the other popular New Age one. I create my own reality. What? What? lunatic thought this idea up this, anybody who thought this idea up has severe mental health problems in my view I create my own reality what human being would create anxiety, worry fear, terror, problems sickness, cancer dementia Alzheimer's, what human beings say oh I'm going to create that I'm going to start off the day feeling really miserable it's all part of this kind of human mythology uh, that goes on and these Dharma teachings dismiss the whole lot of it there's no appetite for it at all and so when actually asked what, why is there this suffering 
I'm sure sometimes when you and I have known somebody and we're really struggling to explain, it's not like we don't struggle with it. And sometimes in deep suffering, when a deeply loved person is lost, out of the blue, totally um, unprepared for it, of course the question will come out of the being, why, why, why? Why me? Why us? Why this? It's horrendous to have to, for human beings to have to uh, uh, de- uh, deal with this. And the Buddha's uh, uh, response, that suffering, any suffering which arises, the answer is very clear, it's unambiguous, and frankly it's unarguable. It arises because there are the causes and conditions are there. That's what we need to realize. That is the truth of it. It's got no metaphysics to it. It's got no spirituality. It's got no um, uh, simplistic one-liner to it. If the causes and conditions are there for, for an event to happen, it will happen. That's life. And that principle, that the truth of that, is widespread. And of course, when we, understandably, sometimes we can't see that. We can't see the causes and conditions. It's not surprising, therefore, that we'll say, oh, it's destiny, it had to happen, it, it, was, a, oh, it was an accident, or whatever it might be. But we have to go deeper than that, because if we don't actually go deeper than that, we can't change the situation. And therefore, the change in the causes and conditions changes the outcome. We have to look at our life and see, well, what are the causes and conditions? And even though we're human, therefore we are limited in our human capacity. I can't always, regularly, see the causes and conditions of what might happen. I can't expect that I can be fully prepared in terms of changing causes and conditions about what might happen in the future. I can't prepare myself for this. Simply because there's so many causes and conditions outside of my control. But I've got to live with this. I could live with this uncertainty and this insecurity and this unknowingness about this existence. And in spite of all the uncertainty there, I can still find the clarity and the insights and the wisdom, wow, to deal with this world. And when there is loss, and a strong loss, and some of you in the hall, perhaps all of us at some times have experienced this, there will be a healthy, emotional, natural response to feel sad over the loss. The the Buddha experienced sadness at the loss of his friends that he'd been with for decades. He experienced sadness. But in that sadness, and to live with the sadness, and to experience the sadness which takes place, be watchful for the grief. Be watchful for the despair, for the melancholy. And sometimes, that which arises out of the sadness that comes, the grief, the the lamentation, the despair, the melancholy, 
or whatever it might be, the mind will say, well, I feel so sad that this person's life was taken away too early. Why should this have happened to this person at this point in their life? Maybe some genuine concern in that way. But it could be, actually, we're feeling sorry for ourselves. It's our self that's got the problem. That our life is about us and our self and our ego and our needs and our want. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my life without this person in my life? But we, can't, we don't want to admit that. We say, oh, it's about the loss of the other. It may be, but I'm pretty sure quite often, actually, we're more concerned about what we have lost. It's not easy dealing with separations and loss with our, with our life. <coughs> and so if one just looks at those two areas, whoa, life ain't easy. Well, it ain't. But, to repeat, look like some of you need a few reminders. <laughs> there's plenty of love in this world, there's plenty of happiness in this world, there's plenty of joy in this world, there's plenty of sharing, there's plenty of giving, there's plenty of receiving, there's plenty of fun, there's plenty of humour, there's plenty of good jokes around, there's uh, plenty of beautiful forests around, and plenty of marvels from the beginning through to the end, and my goodness me, we need to remember all of those. The happinesses of life are immeasurably important. And the happiness and the sense of well-being in life and being grounded will help to deal with the violent interruptions to our notions of continuity. We need the, the centeredness and groundedness. Sometimes, in a strange uh, way, our, our, our um, um, inner life easily, to give you a couple of personal examples here, one gives a reminder of being in the forest. Sometimes the inner life, in the way that we look at something, we are completely convinced that the way we look is the way it is. I'm sure you and I have had loads of these. The way we address, we look at something. Look at someone. Look at something small and we imagine the way we see and the response in the mind is the way that it is. And that movement of thinking the way it is has an impact and can trigger all sorts of feelings and emotions. In, 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 to take a small example, sometimes in our um, so beloved consumer culture, beloved means it's beloved and a nightmare, that sometimes we have an idea of something that we want. Hopefully you haven't got any large shopping malls around Byron Bay, etc. 
one day I'm hoping that they'll all, these large shopping malls will all kind of go bankrupt and we can make them into meditation centres or, or <laughs> workshop centres and put better used to it. But anyway, it's a nice fantasy. And so sometimes we look at situations and the wanting can be so strong that we think that which we want, we must have. So every to give two or three examples here. So years ago, in a rather sweet and lovely relationship, we were, my beloved partner and I, this is like 30 uh, years ago, uh, we're in Oxford Street in, in London. I hope none of you have been have such bad karma that you've ended up in Oxford Street. And she decided she would like a pair of shoes. I knew it was going to be a disaster from the. Uh, this is this is a true story. <laughs> I don't know if you know Oxford Street, but it goes on and Regent Street. We walk from Tottenham Court Road. Right down the other end, past Selfridges to Marble Arch, down one side of the street. This is true. Do you know how many shoe shops there are? <laughs> and we crossed over. You know, to my poor eyes as a man, I, having a job perceiving the difference between one pair of sandals that she wanted and another. You know, either the shade was a little different or the strap was a bit too wide or it didn't have a the proper bucket just a pair of shoes and we walked all the way down bless her one side of the street we crossed over and then walked all the way down to the other end and we still didn't find them and she said oh, I'm very sorry Christopher for what I put you through because it was a hell realm <laughs> and when I got to the other end I said my comment was, she said, how do you feel about it? I said, we did so much walking, I've worn out my shoes. <laughs> it wasn't far off the truth. All right. When I was a monk, different ball game. I'm in the forest. This is in Thailand. I had the delight and sweetness in, the, in uh, late uh, May of this year, my beloved teacher, Ajahn Buddhadasa, servant of the Buddha it was <coughs> pardon me 111 111th year important time since the birth he died 25 years ago but it was 111 so they had a huge event uh, uh, for him and I remember being in the in the forest during my years there as a as a monk and sometimes in the uh, uh, late evening or in the night walking down the, the pathway with the torch there or we had a candle so it was a, literally a cocoa tin and you cut out a hole in the cocoa tin you put the candle in there and then it just reflected and you had a stick in one hand candle in the tin in the other holding it there and you had the stick and the stick was to get the creatures out the way you see, because I hear the boom, 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 and, and you had just a meter or two light to see where you're going in the blackness of the track of the forest there. More than one occasion, I would stop and I was completely, 
utterly convinced that what was right there in front of me was a snake. Just, it was a snake. Keeping very still, as some snakes tend to do, and I just could see a snake which is there. Hands just stood there, not wishing to uh, uh, move, having already, if I may say, in Thailand, one pretty severe life-threatening snake bite, so once bitten, literally twice shy. And in the... Uh, there. And sometimes that which was a snake, the whole feeling, sensation, response, was convinced. And then looking a bit more carefully, and a bit more carefully, ah, oh, it's a branch. Ah, oh, it's a piece of rope lying on the ground. And sometimes life is like that. What we initially see can generate anguish and whatever it could be, agitation or concern or anxiety or whatever it might be. And these teachings are about looking so clearly we see the truth of it. And in seeing the truth of it, it's no longer a problem. So truth is about liberating to the point in the way that we can see clearly. Understand? We see clearly, we see the truth of it. It's a branch, it's a piece of rope, it's not, it's not a snake. Sometimes it was a snake. It's a good practice for mindfulness and equanimity. Just, little, just only just a matter of a few weeks ago, I was telling Rada this, this, this morning, I, uh, in uh, Totnes, where I live, living in the same house now, uh, 35 uh, years so one of the people in the town said oh Christopher could, could we have a, a coffee together she said something I'd really like to talk to you about and the upstairs of the coffee shop were quiet so we met in the coffee shop and there was an issue going on for the good woman and we talked about it and, and hopefully a little insight or clarity whatever came to the good lady. so next day I was out and I came back home and outside my front door is like porch door and right there was a small in paper a small bunch of flowers with her name she already started and you finished the story <laughs> and with her name and said thank you Christopher you know what you said was really helpful it's a small appreciation he said oh I said, how nice thank you. so I took the flowers in and as one does got out the flower bowl put them on the kitchen table put some water in there and there's some lovely flowers and then time went by and a good friend a friend a woman friend she um must be about ten days later she came round meal a glass of bread together and I said to her it's just amazing that this lovely lady came and left me a bunch of flowers and put them in there and I said ten days have gone by you got it and the flowers I said they haven't they're incredible they haven't wilted at all just yeah it's amazing yeah. and uh, I said I've never seen that like that before <laughs> and he said Christopher 
do you mind if I just say something? I said, no, please, I'm really, really, I've really touched how these flowers have lasted. She said, Christopher, they're made of plastic. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> yeah, sometimes one's out of touch and I have to confess. <laughs> it didn't even occur. <laughs> it's not like, oh, they could be made of plastic. It just, even after ten days of, of them remaining exactly the same condition, not a single thought arose. These are not real flowers. Extraordinary. Now, some of us are very slow learners. There may be other things in our life where, 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 where we're confusing the nature with the plastic. <laughs> so sometimes we look. And sometimes we don't see clearly for ourselves. You know, if she hadn't come round I, a year later, <laughs> yeah, I'm so out of touch. Yeah, so, so sometimes in life we need the clarity of the other. That's the point. Sometimes we just don't see clearly. We need someone to say, hey, look. Oh my God. Etc. They're still on the table, by the way. <laughs> but now I know. <laughs> I will not be fooled again. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> All right. So, in, in some times, the clarity is the seeing the truth of it, and when we see the truth of it, it takes the problem out of it. Sometimes, We say, oh, I know what's going on. I see the truth of it, but it hasn't changed. I haven't seen the truth of it. I have a view that I have. I think I have. I know the truth of the situation, but I haven't seen it. Because it's still there. The, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sometimes, we can't see, you know, in my small examples there, the moment is in the moment. Ah, it's not a twig, it's not a branch. I mean, sorry, it's not a snake, it's a branch. Whatever. Ah, it's not real flower uh, made in the factory or whatever it might be. So in the moment is the change and the change is the clarity. But there are some situations where I see the truth of it but then I've got to work on it. I've got to ex explore that because there's still suffering going on. I've been in a situation, the eye, the eyes, on behalf of anybody here. I've been in a situation, it was intolerable, whatever that might be about. The deep voice inside of me says, I know I've got to get out of this. That movement of the intolerable and getting out of it, when the change has come, the change which is taking place of getting out of it is in the change, I've seen the truth of it, because I've changed. Or, I've seen the truth of it, and I know if I go on like this, what that means is I have to change my attitude 
I've seen the truth of it, and the, if I see the truth of it, the change of attitude will come. If I see the truth of it, I'm out of it. I'm out. I'm going. So we have these responses in the dealing with some of the painful truths of situations uh, which arise for us. But just because we see the truth of it, and some genuine, authentic changes come about, doesn't mean therefore necessarily that, oh, I see the truth of it, all the suffering has gone out of it. Because it plants the human being into a, a, a fresh condition. A fresh journey, you might say. Uh, an, a new way of relating there. And then that brings a whole lot of challenges. And sometimes, when the decision is made, I've seen the truth of it. I'm stepping out of it. I'm making a real change. It could be a habit, an addiction, uh, a pattern, a problem. It could be a relationship to another, or a way of life. It could even be something that really one has appreciated for years and really connected well and, and it's been really effective and a precious offering to life. And sometimes we know we have come to a point and a place in our life where even though it's been pleasurable and enjoyable and workable and uh, rewarding and it's supported a career or supported others or whatever, sometimes we just know we have to make a change. We know we have to be true to it. That, uh, And when the, as I said, when the changes come, it's not just the view, we've seen the truth of the situation and we're making a change. Like I mentioned last night with the renewal aspect. So sometimes, as I say, then it brings us into the new. But the old doesn't mean to say it's completely resolved. There'll be people here as there are uh, everywhere. Uh, Relationship has changed. The marriage has changed. The lawyers are there. The issues are there. The things are unresolved which are going uh, on. And one still has to give attention to that. Even though the big shift has been made. But what's important with that is... To recognise, very important actually, to recognise all the moments, all the hours, all the situations, when that old role, which you had or I had, we know that is finished. We have now moved on. And in the resolution or the ending, shall we say, of uh, that role, we need to recognise all the moments when that role has no purpose. We've got to start feeling some space inside the being in which, in that space inside the being, the shift is from the past, because it's finished, to the present, into the future, of what are the fresh, creative initiatives that I can make because there is more space in our life, because we've moved out from the old, and still recognising, it's a challenge, of, yes, at times, I will have to have contact, possibly, 
with her, with him, with this or with that. I still need to sort this and that out. Until that is completely finished inside the being. One really knows one's out of it completely. So the big step or steps are made. One is living one's life as much as possible, the rhythm of life, present to future. And one will, may have to preserve and keep some modest amount of time for just resolving that which needs to be resolved. Otherwise you get exhausted. Otherwise you'll be haunted in your meditations about this and that and this isn't done and that wasn't right and why is it like this and I've got to do that and it just obsesses in the mind. And sometimes we need to write it down, we need to make statements. Well, in the change of a major role in life, even the very, very difficult ones that can come uh, to us, like the example I gave earlier in the talk, sometimes, yes, that happened. And yes, I'm a human being. Yes, there's remarkable potential. And yes, to finding that freedom to move with life. There's no point in clinging to the old. There never was ever, ever any point in clinging to the old. It's probably the most tiring, exhausting acti- mental and physical activity which is the most wearing, the most exhausting and numbing is clinging to the old. That's our great challenge. One shall know the truth and the truth will set one free. And it's that sense in life of the precision of perception, the snake and the branch, the authentic flower from the plastic flower and many other examples. The, that truth is about the uh, certain clear perception which enables us to see with insight and understanding. And being true to that rhythm of life. And then we are not dependent on some big experience. We're not dependent on some extraordinary uh, event Oh, I've seen the truth. I know the truth. Uh, there. Where actually, we can find the truth of things clearly and well and, fi- and know a liberation, a freedom by being with the truth of things. And when that which we express often and that which we share, in a way we give support to the truth, at times when we recognize, oh, this view is expressed, that view is expressed. But in the, the deep of uh, the being, let's move freely with life and acknowledge at times there are some specifics in the past which we need to address and keep clear about and have some understanding of to enable us to move even more freely through life. Let's have a quiet minute together, shall we please?
May all beings explore the truth of life. May all beings live with love. May all beings find the wisdom in the face of things. So, thank you for lending an ear. The time's uh, five o'clock. The sitting, standing, uh, meditation. There's the, some food, of course, at uh, 5.30, some one-to-ones at this time as well, and we'll see you then. Okay, thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>